0: now you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want today is a brand new day and it's yours
1: welcome to the true performance show by Ziegler. every positive pursuit in life every progression of personal development change is fueled by one thing inspiration it's the drive and the hunger that propels every good endeavor Without it, we merely have a dream, but never actually move. With it, we can actually overcome insurmountable odds to achieve our desires, convictions, and calling. In this show, we come together to drill down into what really makes success tick and how we can apply it to our unique personal and work lives. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and right now, we're going to inspire your true performance. Welcome, everyone. This is Kevin, and we have episode 402 for you today. It's an interview with a lady who runs a multi-billion dollar business. Her claim is that they're so successful because they put values, real values, not just a mission statement on the wall, but they put values first. In this interview, you will hear her outline why you should run your life, your work, your business, your relationships, literally So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. Putting values first. Uh, But again, not just because it's the right thing to do, which that's where it started, but they found it's just flat out more profitable, proven. And that's what she talks about. It sounds kind of like, you know, nice guys finish first. And you're right. That's the point. It's an intriguing discussion because it really gives a paradigm shift in real world cash and dollars. Now I'll tell you who she is after I ask a favor. Uh, There are a lot of great podcasts to listen to. With the True Performance Show by Ziegler, our intent is to inspire your true performance. All the knowledge in the world is meaningless if you are not inspired. You must have a core motive and the drive to take action in your life and do what needs to be done. Otherwise, we just take in a lot of good content, but things don't change. And we have all experienced this in times of our lives where we're frustrated as the months go by, the years go by, and we've done all these things. We've gone to the seminars, we've read the books, we've listened to the podcasts, we've read the blogs, we've done so many things and yet we have not taken a step and we end up feeling shame, I think in a lot of ways. Um, I know I have. I speak for myself, but I, I see that from a lot of people and hear that from their own experience. Uh, and yet, we need to, in a, in a sense, cut ourselves a break and just realize you know what? We're just missing something, we're missing that core why, as Simon Sinek would say, but that drive and that motive, we need to start there. And that's not just trying to make the true performance show uh, the the, uh, holy grail to everything, but we are here for a reason. Zig Ziglar devoted his life to inspiring true performance, to motivation, to finding motive, because he knew that so many people, so many great Uh, aspects of knowledge and direction and guidance out there. And yet when we don't have motive, we still don't go anywhere. It's like having a Ferrari that just doesn't have any gas in it. You listening right now have aspects of being a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or whatever is your favorite mode of fast transportation and exoticness. You are that that's also part of Zig's part. You are that I am that uh, as well, but we can also sit still if we don't have the right fuel. It's an analogy, but it's absolutely positively true. So on that note, uh, if you listen to the show, get value from it and have not subscribed, would you please do that? Uh, Most people who listen to the show, listen to nearly all of our shows and subscribing gives you easier access to past shows. It also delivers each show directly to you. uh, So you don't miss any. And it also helps us know our truer number of listeners. It's kind of an odd thing that we can have a lot of downloads and we track those, but it doesn't tell us how many actual listeners are these people that are coming and going and listening to some shows and going on, uh, or are they core listeners? So it just helps us. So I'm just asking for that favor. If you would hit subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to, uh, podcasts, And then number two, we want to know what kinds of shows you like best. What kinds of shows are helping you most? If you would leave a review in iTunes that we can read as a team with the Ziggler family, as soon as you can, we would be greatly appreciative. We want to know, do you like the Zig Ziggler clips that we play? We do that uh, once or do that a couple times a month where we play a Ziggler clip, six, eight, 10 minutes, and then we break it down and say, okay, Zig said this. How do we actually walk that out? Do you like those shows most, or do you like the Q and a shows where we respond to direct questions from people working to take action in their lives and increase their personal performance? Um, do you like the interviews? That's the third one that we do, uh, such as, uh, the one that we're doing, uh, today, uh, with our special guest. Uh, do you like these interviews where we take somebody and talk through the stories of their own lives and how they're working to inspire others' true performance? So which of those do you like most? It doesn't mean that we're going to stop doing one, but we may – right now we just rotate them equally for the most part. We may do more of one and less of the other. Please let us know. Go to iTunes, leave a review, and, uh, and, and, and let us know what you think. Uh, speaking of, of the Q and A shows, last week uh, or for a couple of weeks now, I've been uh, we're, we're accumulating questions regarding entrepreneurship and marriage for a show I'm going to do with my wife Terry. Uh, oh, but we also found out, and, and the first time we asked for that, we found we had a glitch in the email address, and we fixed it. So if you emailed us at ask at zigshow.com and it bounced back, I'm so sorry, it is fixed. Please do so again. Ask at zigshow dot com to submit your question on entrepreneurship. And marriage or any other question, if you'd, if you'd like to do that or comment, you're, you're welcome to do it there. You can also submit at, at uh, ask.zigshow.com. You can record an audio there or, uh, or write it in as well. Okay, our guest for today. Dina Dwyer Owens. She currently serves as co-chair of the Dwyer Group, which includes 11 franchise service brands, more than 2,500 franchise owners across the globe, and more than 1.3 billion in annual system-wide sales. Now, that, this comes right right from her bio. And I think in the show, we actually talk about that number is actually 2 billion right now. But uh, Dina, as a certified franchise executive, She has more than 30 years of industry experience, and she credits a growing team and the company's code of values, which we're going to break down in this show, for making the Dwyer Group what it is today. She's served as chair of the International Franchise Association, IFA. In uh, Washington, D.C., the world's largest advocacy group for franchising as a business format. And in 2012 and 2013, and this is why if you think, oh, that's, that name sounds familiar. Well, she appeared on the Emmy-winning hit reality show, Undercover Boss. Uh, she's a strong advocate for ethics in business and life. Dina's motto is to live rich, R-I-C-H, following the themes of respect, integrity, Customer focus and having fun in the process, which I actually specifically asked her about in the interview, the aspect of having fun. She's an international speaker and author of of two books, Live Rich, How to Build Success in Your Company and Your Life with a Proven Code of Values. Uh, and Values, Inc., which was recently named the top 10 business books by uh, Forbes in 2015. And that's what we talk a little bit more about today is the book Values, Inc. Now, uh, speaking of her books, though, Zig Ziglar wrote the foreword to Dina's first book, Live Rich, which emphasized how the Dwyer Group has succeeded around the world following their code of values and the themes of respect, integrity, customer focus and having fun in the process. It was his. this is what she says, it was Zig's endorsement that immediately won the validation of my message with a huge audience. I will be forever grateful for his support. So you can find Dina and all she has to give you at www.values-inc.com. That's values-inc.com. All right. Well, hey, with that said, I am now going to bring you this uh, really incredible interview with uh, myself, Tom Ziegler and Dina Dwyer Owens. Well, Dina, thank you so much for being with us today and giving your message to the Ziegler audience.
2: I am honored. Um, I am a huge fan of the Ziegler Corporation, and I grew up listening to Ziegler as a young teenager
1: uh, me too, I was such gifted by my parents i 'll be forever grateful well i 'm eager to get into your book and the overall message and I really want to start off with a kind of a ten thousand foot view that may be a little elementary to begin with, but I think still valid for many when you espouse putting values. First, So we'll drill down from there. Your first book endorsed by Zig was Live Rich, How to Build Success in Your Company and Your Life with a Proven Code of Values. In this book, Values, Inc., was your primary impetus, kind of a bigger picture that brings the message of values to individuals, not just the businesses and workplace?
2: That is correct. And it would be for individuals, moms, dads, for-profit, non-for-profit organizations, Anybody can benefit by leading with values.
1: Okay. Well, so on this, uh, it reminded me of a friend of mine. It's been a few years back. He's a high-level financial advisor. Uh, He's a Christian guy. His passion is that people would align their investing with their values. Uh, And his focus was, you know, if your your investments are yielding a good return, but you're supporting businesses and initiatives that conflict with your values, he sees it as being unequally yoked. Uh, misaligned. I think we'd all agree that uh, with the validity of this concept, but in working with him and looking at branding this book and this initiative, I know people, and even the best intended still want performance. And he was able to line up his investing with the norms and it showcased his skill and ability and get his his investors a much higher Average yield, so it was a perfect product. I loved it. So, but leading your life and business with values, as you have in this book, it's the right thing to do. But I see you saying, no, it also really pays off. Yes,
2: it does. And in Values Inc, I really had to make an effort with my my co author to dig up uh, enough research for those naysayers who say, well, you know, leading with values is warm and fuzzy, but it doesn't really translate into financial results. So we uncovered a lot of great information. Just a couple of quick points is, you know, when you lead with values, your, your company uh, organization becomes a high trust company and, you know, total shareholder return in, in surveys that I was able to find show to be 286% higher than companies who don't have high trust Wow! and high trust companies outperform the marketplace by 288%. And this is not that those studies are a little older in, in the late 2008, 2009. But just the other day, um, Huffington Post came out with another study talking about um, firms that rank among the world's most ethical companies outperformed the S&P 500 by 3.3% just last year. And that, so They work.
1: They yeah, work. They, they work. And, and it's, it's interesting. I, I've probably watched too many movies on business. That's not usually what's depicted. It's the cutthroat, you know, when it all costs huge money. I just watched one re- recently. Um, a margin call, I think was the name of it. And it was kind of along those lines. And we don't see a lot of good press, or not enough at least, that I've seen on that. 288%. I mean, that's huge. That's uh, anybody, the, the greediest of the greedy, should hear that and go, well, heck, we got to put values first.
2: I'm all over it. There was another great, great article because I'm constantly studying this. And I, I tweeted about this the other day, but there was a great article in Forbes. And the closing line was, if a business consultant tells you that she can make your accounting easier, expand your brand, add to your bottom line, and improve your health, and the only cost is doing the right thing, who would resist that offer? And and it closes with good ethics pays. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's so simple. Why do we make this hard? When people try to cheat, it's a lot more work. Just do what's
1: right. Well, so so it begs the question. And yeah, where did we? Where and why did we lose it? I mean, you start off in the book talking about Enron. And, uh, and yet you're saying, I mean, it's a win win to put values first. So it, it does somewhat beg the question, uh, where did we lose that? And, Dina, I'll tell you, I have my own story, uh, from a youth getting involved in business. My dad was always a business guy and entrepreneur, but I got involved in some, uh, in some bigger business. And, I was, it was, uh, it was difficult to see as I got behind the scenes with some of these people, high level, high dollar. And when I saw what went on in their personal lives, it really brought me to the question in my real early twenties of, can you succeed in business and be moral and ethical? And from that, I actually had some time period of, of somewhat sabotaging my own success because I wanted to prove, no, I'm about heart, uh, It's daunting out there for people because they don't see that. Of course, you brought it to light in a pretty basic sense in your
2: book. Yeah. What's interesting is I think most people want to do what's right and they want to do what's good. and and In fact, most companies spend a lot of time, money, and energy creating a vision, a mission, and, and a set of values, whether they call it code of values or code of ethics, code of conduct, whatever they call it. But the sad part is they get home from that strategic planning session and those go to the wayside. And it just, it just, it's so sad to me, actually, because I, I don't think their intentions are to go and, and not run their companies with, with good, strong ethics, but they don't know how to get there. And the Dwyer Group did not create values-based leadership. Um, we just happened to create a great system around making sure that we stay committed to values-based leadership. And at the, at the Dwyer Group, it's quite simple. I like to keep things simple, right? Life is complicated enough. <laughs> So basically, anytime we have a meeting of three or more of our team members or our franchisees, we take the time to review our values. And sometimes it's all 15 because having fun of the process is actually my favorite and it's the final, what we call the closing value. Um, But sometimes we'll have a meeting and we'll just talk about what's the one value that I, Dina, needs to get better at. And we did this at a board meeting. We kicked off our Mm -hmm. board meeting in January, first board meeting of the year. We went around the entire board table and every board member stated the one value that they felt they could get better at. It works, and you know what? We look at each other and go, "Yeah, you could get better at that." Not sarcastically, but people are typically quite honest about it.
0: Yeah. So I, I got a question for you because I, you know, Dad, that was his platform was integrity, and in fact, I was speaking today, and I said, you know, there are some absolutes. There are absolutes. I mean, who would help, who would hire a relatively honest accountant to work for their business, <laughs> right? And the funny one-liner the dad had is he he never came home from a trip and 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 mom would greet him at the door. Not once did she ask him if he'd been relatively faithful. <laughs> so so there are absolutes, but then there's kind of the the gray areas. And we've had some amazing guests, and and uh, we had Simon Sinek on recently. We haven't re- that episode's going to be released soon, but he 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 did this project, and the the way I heard the question, it may be different than. Than, uh, what his intention was, is he was trying to figure out, is it more important to have the right people on the bus, or is it more important to have the right bus, which was the corporate values and the structure, the leadership? And so in all your research, I mean, you know, his answer was perfect. It's both, you know, and there's, there's a place for both. But I'd like to just hear kind of your take on all of this research of how do you, as a leadership, how do we create the values? And as people, how do we bring them when we come?
2: Yeah, that's it's funny that you mentioned Simon Sinek. Of course, I'm a big fan. And he and I uh, recently had the opportunity to present, hold your breath on this one, at a congressional retreat. So he and I presented to Congress, to the Republican side of the House, back in January in Baltimore, about values-based leadership. So t- two big surprises at that event is... And this was only for the, uh, the representatives and their family members. So it was a very intimate event. And they are very committed to, people may not believe it, but there's a good group that's committed to getting better at how they lead in Washington. They had three of us come speak on values-based leadership. But to answer your question, Tom, um, I actually have a Create Your Culture workbook um, that is free to your listeners. And uh, they can go to DinaDwyerOwens.com and they can download the free Create Your Culture workbook. So it starts by the leadership. It starts with the leadership always. The leadership needs to identify their values and get real clarity about what is it that's most important to them in their organization. Again, for-profit, not-for-profit. It could be a family. Again, it could be a housewife, or it could be a, you know, a mother and a father doing this with their children. What are your values? And then some people might call these accountability statements. At the Dwyer Group, we call all fifteen values—values, uh, values, not standards. But my friend uh, um, Ken Blanchard would say they're more, you know, accountability statements that fall under the categories of your values of respect, integrity, customer focus, and having fun. But you've got to have accountability statements. The thing that works is when you can when you can measure whether I lived up to this value or I didn't live up to this value. And unless it's clear, um, there's going to be all this gray about, well, how do you define respect? How do you define integrity? I think you've got to have specific statements around that. And the third step is to lead by example and test the values. So at the Dwyer Group, we played a game. So it's 20 years ago that we launched the operationalized code of values, although we've had core values for 35 years since the company was founded. But 20 years ago, we we lost our founder and we didn't want to lose the culture he created with the values as the foundation for success. So the six leadership team members got together. We got the help of a consultant And they said, take Don Dwyer's original values and operationalize them. And then invite the team to practice them with you. So what we said first to our team was, we want you to hold us accountable. We gave them a laminated card with all the values. We said, study the values. And any time you catch one of the leadership team members violating a value, we want your feedback. And and we're in Waco, so we're a little silly. So we asked them just to beep us. So basically, they could be walking down the hallway, and if they... uh, observed one of us violating a value all they had to do was go beep and go about their business (laughs) Uh, unfortunately we had tons of beeping that went on during (laughs) that 90-day beep game (laughs) and we're in the trades businesses, so i'll tell you that uh, one of our values is speaking calmly and respectfully without profanity or sarcasm remember we're in the trades businesses so most of those beeps came from people using profanity and not that they're doing it to be mean some people just have the poor habit. So we were beeped right and left. And I remember one occasion where uh, a mailroom clerk beeped one of our executives because uh, she used profanity. And, and not only did she respond in the wrong way, she didn't use profanity back, but she, she flipped the girl off. <laughs> so this is this is how you test: is this is this somebody who's good for your team or not? And it's one of those situations where you, you got to get after you got to try it. But leadership's got to say, "Team, hold us accountable. Let us prove to you that we're committed." And then invite the team to join you once they believe you are committed and then systemize and internalize the values. So this is where most companies fall. They, they, they fall down because they don't create a system around keeping the values part of what they do day to day. And I speak all over the world. And one question I ask the audience is, how many of you worked for a company that had a set of values? And almost everybody raises their hands. And I say, how many of you have worked for a company that talked about their values at least once a month?
1: But getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top-tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin.
2: About 10% or less of the hands go up. Then I say, how many of you work for a company that talk about their values weekly, almost no hands go up. And then when I ask, how about a company that you work for that talk about their values daily? Maybe in a crowd of 100, one or two hands go up, and that's it. So you've got to create a system, and our system of reciting the values at the beginning of a meeting of three or more is so simple and so easy to do. And then internalizing the values. So I actually I recommend that folks internalize them, which means memorize them. We call it by heart, with heart. So it's not just memorization, it's internalizing the values. And then you got to measure performance. I I mean, I'm privileged to get to talk about the Dwyer Group's Code of Values with all of you, only because I have a team of people here at the Dwyer Group led by our CEO, Mike Bidwell, and our franchisees out in the field who are striving every day to live up to this high standard that we've created. Otherwise, I could not be out here talking about our values, um, because people like to throw darts at companies that are that open about their values. But we are not a perfect company, and we never will be. We make mistakes every day, but we work hard to live up to the standard. And the final thing is, is to cultivate the culture. So once you've created your values, you've gotten the team on board, you've created a system, you've internalized them. What's, what are you going to do going forward to make sure that you continue to cultivate this? As a company grows like ours from $1.3 billion to $2 billion, how do we keep this culture special based on the values as a foundation?
1: Well, and I want to break down some of that, though. Right when you, well, first, folks, I, I don't want you to miss her offering there. If you go to Dina D I N A Dwyer D W Y E R Owens dot com, over on the right, I'm looking at the page right now. The far right navigation tab up, the, up at the top says Free. Workbook so I will be getting that uh, as well when we 're done here. Thank you so much for that but uh, it's interesting so Ziegler who I of course do so much I'm, I'm blessed to do so much work uh, with has their performance pledge I was uh, blessed by that from day one i'm heavily involved in another company that is highly values led we all we all know it we all speak around it but uh, in looking in, at your book and listening to you it is not Appropriately outline and uh, give direct focus. So I'll be going back to them in our Thursday meeting as well. And we're going to be talking about that uh, this week. Now, I wanted to showcase or talk a little bit about a roadmap that you give, four key steps to creating your own values. And just drill down a little bit into that. You start off with number one, knowing and understanding your values, which goes right to, I just shared, you know, about the company I'm involved with. Do we know and understand the overall value concept? Absolutely. It really drives the business. I'm grateful for that. But- I don't think that we're to the level that you're talking about. So, uh, take us through this. I mean, where do we start? I, I think I think most people, if we said, "Do you have values?" Especially the Ziegler listeners, we have an incredible audience here. Do they have values? They say, "Of course," but then you said, "Okay, list them out for me or speak them out to me." I think most of them, like me, would uh, stammer a little bit because we haven't done that. So, I think you're talking about pen in hand, get it on paper. This is a literal official uh, rudder,
2: right? And you're right. A lot of people think they know their values, but when you ask them to list them, they draw a blank. So going back to the the Create Your Culture workbook, I actually have, and it was a gift to me by Robert Cooper, uh, who does a lot of work on emotional intelligence. Hmm. So I've got a list of potential values. So if people are stuck and they're not quite sure what their values are, it's a very simple exercise to walk through worksheet one Hmm. and identify all those values that ring true for you. And, and you could do this as a team you know so you, you could have your your leadership team sit down and every one of them could do this separately say what do you think our values are here at X organization and then get together and compare notes and then narrow it down to what are the what are the most compelling values that that we stand for here at x organization
1: uh you know I'm right there you saying that it made me think i have uh I, Two of the, my two oldest of my seven kids are returning from college. Wow! So, yeah, so we'll be for the summer a crew all together. One of the things that we're going to do is get together and resume our family meetings, which was something that was brought to us by a Ziegler interviewee, uh, Mark Timms. But I want to do that. I'm going to take your workbook, Potential Values, and do just that. Everybody, take five, ten, whatever minutes on your own, write down your values, and then come together as a family. That will be. Uh, that will be interesting. Of course, I'm sure they'll all lead off with food because dad's such a foodie, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's great. I, I love that. That's in the workbook. Um, thank you. Potential values. So, so folks, again, as far as actionable items that we're looking for in the Ziggler show, this isn't just all theory, as you well know, if you're a listener for long, um, here is something, please go get that workbook. And write that. that makes it easy to start off with. You don't have to sit there and bang your head against the wall. Potential values, pick them out, write them down. Well. The next one, number two, aligning yourself with people who embody your values, and uh, I think most Zig listeners have heard enough uh, of the shows to probably have heard Jim Rohn's statement: "You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with." And Zig talked about that so much. But looking at the workplace, which is really you know where you uh, uh, started your message here, I know there are people listening who really want to do the right thing. They do. They work hard at doing the right thing. They walk out their morals, their ethics, their values, but they're in a workplace where it's just not rewarded real well. And while of course it's still the right thing to do, uh you know, I imagine at some point there's some actions that you need to take. If you're in a place that just won't reward that, would you say, "Hey, you might need to look elsewhere?" Before Dina answers that question, I want to thank a sponsor of today's show, Earth Class mail. Earth class mail, they move your snail mail to the cloud, giving you instant 24-7 access. They integrate with the tools and services you use every day. It's crazy that we've moved everything we do for business over to the digital world, but we still need to pick up, sort, and manage physical mail. I've shared before in my rural area up here in the mountains of Colorado, we don't even have personal email boxes. We pick ours up about four miles away. 95% of it is junk we immediately throw away. So with Earth class, mail, you get all your mail scanned in and accessible online 24 seven for you to filter through. You can search your mail, send invoices over to accounting software, sync important documents into cloud storage, deposit checks, and really just make running your business a whole lot easier. You also get a real professional address to share publicly with customers, business partners, and investors. You'll never need to worry about someone showing up at your front door. If you run your business from home, like I have for so many years. Earth Class Mail, it's a great solution that's perfect for businesses and independent entrepreneurs of all types. So visit earthclassmail.com slash Ziggler. You'll get your first month of service free when you sign up. Again, that's earthclassmail.com slash Ziggler.
2: I would say definitely look elsewhere. In fact, I've, I've had people in audiences that I've spoken to who've come back to me later to say, after listening to your session, I realized I'm allowing myself to be part of something that doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. my value structure. And I had to leave one lady who was a professional actually left this very fine organization. If you think about it, just from a financial perspective, and she started her own business, a professional business with her own values. And she said it was one of the hardest things she ever did because it's scary. But she said it was the best thing she ever did because she was allowing herself again to be in this, this atmosphere that did not fit culturally who she was and what she stood for. So you have to have courage. You know Why allow yourself to be in that kind of a situation and really be miserable because we're fighting against our values. Uh, and I learned a lot of this from Zig Ziglar, you know, it, it's, it's unhealthy in so many different ways. And that stress takes a toll on you sooner or later.
0: Yeah, this is, this is one of the challenges we face when we go in and do corporate training, whether it's sales or leadership or something along those lines. The prospect, the customer will say, well, have you ever had a program that you put in place that didn't work? And we say, oh, yeah, it happens. Not often, but it happens. And then they ask, well, what happened? And we say, well, the reality is, is the leadership who brought the program in didn't align with the values that the program was based on. And so immediately when we taught the the program to the team and they started doing it and then they saw leadership acting in a different way, they abandoned the program. So you've got to have, when you're when you're looking at bringing in uh, the things that we do as far as cultural alignment and getting companies performing at the highest level, leadership needs to be honest with what their values are. And if they don't line up with what we bring, they need to save their money and save us the heartache.
2: Exactly right. Because if leadership's not committed, it's never going to work. People see right through it. And, you know, we, we, we talk a lot today about, or I do, that authentic leadership. And we don't have good, strong, authentic leaders that are willing to – To be honest, you know, Tom, even about uh, maybe they like this particular value, but they're really just not very good at it. And they're willing to say to their team, help me, hold hold me accountable. Help me get better at this. I mean, I've got executives on my team. They just floor me sometimes with how honest they are about their weaknesses and the opportunities they have for improvement. I had two new hires on the executive team that that our CEO uh, recruited. And, of course, we always um, test them Culturally, we want to find out about their values and we talk about how important they are at the Dwyer Group's culture. And we have lots of people interview them to make sure that we, we really believe they're a good fit. And both of them, it's a CFO and a general counsel who are new on our team. When we did that, uh, that meeting in January, we did a, actually a retreat with our president's group. Um, and we went around the table and they were so honest about the value that they were not good at. And this is three, four months into their employment with us.
0: Is, did, is it Pat Lencioni who wrote about that uh, principle, the idea that your greatest uh, weakness is actually your greatest strength when you, when you admit that a value or that a way of behaving or something is not natural, that you're working on it, that, and, and you're quick to ask for forgiveness? And not just, you know, off the cuff, but sincere apology when you mess up and you allow your team to call you out on it. It actually is the very thing that makes you the most trustworthy. Exactly right. That's that high trust environment. Because people, when they see somebody struggling with an issue like that, trying to do better, and then they get into their own dilemma because their weakness is going to be somewhere else, they know they can come and trust you with their issue, which instead of you know growing into a mountain, it can be resolved before it really causes a lot of damage. A lot of problems in business happen because people are trying to hide it. It was not a big deal when it got started, but because it kept being pushed aside, it can, it can be a disaster.
2: It's, it's a
0: treat
1: to work with people like that. Well, Dina, and I want to, on this roadmap, get to number three, but just on what you're talking about, as I think about it, it's real easy uh, as you start off your book, you know, with, with talking about Enron and we mentioned it already here in the show. And that's an example of, of a horrific lack of, uh, values, morals, ethics. And on the other side over here, we want to talk about the value uh, or the value. Well, yeah, the value of values. Um, the payoff of values, but in some, is there some reality to the in-between of kind of like, again, I talked about with the company I'm involved with. It's not that we don't have values, but we just aren't clarifying them and standing on them and leading with them enough. And so we're not benefiting. So there's maybe a lot of well-meaning companies, businesses, organizations that are just uh, vanilla in, in the middle. They haven't made those a priority like you're talking about. And in that sense, I, I think it's probably about, it, it doesn't seem the most urgent thing for most people. And yet you're saying, no, this is the bedrock of your success.
2: Yeah, it, it, it is completely the bedrock. And I, I think, again, it's because they think it's harder than it really is. And it comes back to systems. You know, we're a franchise organization. Lead to success. And so we have good, strong systems that are followed by our employees and our team members and our franchisees. Everybody has greater success. So I think, I think the breakdown is many of these leaders don't realize it's as simple as create a system around your value so that they're brought top of the mind every day or every week in your organization. And that repetition, which is another thing Zig Ziglar's talked about, that repetition is the mother of skill. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, that's, that's your number three. Oh yeah. Tom, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say one of the things I've done a lot of uh, research on the habit, the system. Uh, One of the quotes that I have is that your attitude is a reflection of character and your character is a reflection of habit. And so I went into this whole, I I get nerdy sometimes. So I started going down the road, which comes first, character or habit, right? Because which one does come first? And so I started getting into it. I I talked to the experts, whether they're psychologists or, you know, all these different people. And, And the reality is that most of our character qualities were poured into us from our parents because when we're two years old, we don't know how to share. Right. And so they taught us the habit, sometimes with enforcement, that we're going to share. And so what I, what I came to the conclusion of, and one of my friends said this, he said, you know, uh, character uh, gives you the inspiration to try it and habit keeps it going, right? It fuels it. And so when you talk about systems, what I say is this, is that uh, habits are just systems for our personal life and systems are just habits for our business, and so I love the foundational aspect of what you just said, that if we put the system of character or value into our business, then the fruit of that comes forth because, well, you're, yeah.
1: You're hitting on number, number three in the roadmap here, it, which I was just, I was going to ask about systemization and internalization of your values, which please lead us in there more, but I assume that is more of the, yeah, make it, uh, put it in stone and paste it to your forehead.
2: Exactly. And hold each other accountable because our team members know that if their supervisor forgets to lead a meeting of three or more off with the code of values, they have every, actually they have the responsibility, but every right to say, oh, can we make sure we go over code of values first? Mm. So it's, it's, it's just so integrated into our organization. This is how integrated it is. We, we've, in the last 18 months, again, um, (laughs) Our, our executive team's doing an amazing job. And, and one of the reasons we're successful in, in acquiring other companies is because they trust us to own their franchise businesses because that's like their babies to them. It's, a, it's, a, it's their family. It's a group of franchisees that they're turning over to us. Um, but I've had some of these new acquisitions who have gotten to know our values so well that when one of our team members, who's a supervisor, forgot to lead the meeting off at the Code of Values... That VP from a company we just acquired said, now, wait a second, aren't we supposed to start the meeting off with the code of values? And to be truthful, the supervisor of ours said, thank you for reminding me. I've been in six meetings today. (laughs) I've done the code of values every time. And I just dove into this one. But thank you for reminding me because we, we, we do need to take that deep breath and review our values before this meeting.
1: It reminds me of renewing our minds daily as our Bible would lead us to. Before we dive into the fourth step on Dina's map, we have a new sponsor of the True Performance show by Ziegler. It's Blue Apron. So I, it's a call out to all the food lovers in the True Performance audience like myself. And I mean people who like truly great tasting, healthy food. I have a love affair with food, folks. I love food that tastes amazing and is good for you. I love to cook. I often cook for a lot of people. I got 13 people staying at my home right now and I'll be cooking for them tonight. Uh, last night we cooked for them and we used blue apron. Uh, they provide just that great tasting and healthy food. And to get a personal endorsement from me, they sent a couple boxes of their food. And last night was the second time we use them incredibly impressed, really fun. They send fresh, high quality ingredients to prepare incredible recipes, you get pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. It's less than 10 bucks per meal. I mean Blue Apron, it sets a high-quality standard for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. So whether it's Japanese ramen noodles or wild-caught Alaskan salmon or heirloom tomatoes, uh, Blue Apron it just brings you the best. They give you the written out it's on paper with pictures Uh, the steps to making each meal so the meals that happen to be available in july which is when i'm recording this right now creamy shrimp fettuccine with sauteed green beans and spinach sweet chili chicken with tinkerbell peppers green beans and jasmine rice spiced steak and tomato avocado salad with creamy cone cabbage, and red onion slaw. Last night, we had cod and penne pasta and purple potatoes and fresh green beans and a lot more. It was just excellent. We all had a blast cooking it together and going through it. Uh, One of my business partners is a doctor who specializes in natural health treatments. He shared with me that he's had multiple patients who he's recommended use Blue Apron to get them on a healthier home-cooked diet. So check out this week's menu. Get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Ziggler. Again, that's blueapron, B-L-U-E-A-P-R-O-N, just like it sounds, .com slash Ziggler. It's a better way to cook. Again, your first three meals are free. Can't beat that. Well, the fourth thing on your map here, measuring your performance with values Uh, didn't strike me as a very common perspective. We're taught to measure performance with results and being in business with over, with the billions you have in sales, I know that you are also happy for results, bottom line results. So how do you, how do you measure performance and values?
2: Yeah, we actually will supervise our franchisees on a regular basis. We don't do it annually because we, we can drive them nuts with surveying. <laughs> so we, we are probably on a, a, a map of about every other year where we actually have them rate us on all 15 values. So a, an individual franchisee can rate the brand that they do business with on all 15 uh, values. The same thing with our employees. Our employees uh, are asked to rank their supervisors on an annual basis on all 15 values and then to take it to the next level, part of our evaluation process with our employees now is we're rating them on how they're living the value. So their performance review includes measuring how they're living up to the values. So it's all over the Dwyer group that we're measuring our performance. At the end of the day, it's what our customers are saying about us, so, right? right? I mean, that's we, we like to see line by line by line, value by value, how we're doing. And we, we typically rate in a, a 93 or 94 out of 100, so it's a good A but it could be better. It can always be
1: better. Yeah. 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 It made me think of uh, branding and somebody once told me in great wisdom that uh, we don't, we don't say what our brand is. The customer says what our brand is. We try to influence it, but they ultimately will tell us exactly what our brand is. Well, let's uh, talking about culture. And actually it's what you said, Tom, uh, I think citing Simon Sinek. Uh, and you asked the question, you know, is it, is it who we have on the bus, uh, the culture that makes the culture or is it having the right bus? And it got me to, I was thinking about this in reading through your book, uh, Dina, kind of a chicken or the egg. When we look at the company cultures and, and often the lack of values that we find in corporate America, do you find that individuals with or without values coming together in business and, and perpetuating their lack or amount of values in the company is what influences most? Or do you find that businesses, companies, and corporations with a foundational Allegiance to the bottom line, creating a culture, uh, creating that culture that that overrides the individual. Again, it comes back to your question uh, that you talked about, Tom, but I thought about that again in here. Where do you find uh, that's chicken or the egg question? Where do you find
2: I can tell you that today, you know, 35 years into the uh, age of our company and 20 years of this operationalized code of values is we almost always hear from new franchisees that. One of the top reasons that they decided to join the Dwyer Group was because of the Code of Values. And it's not because they read them on the website or somebody told them about them over the phone. It's because when they came to Waco, Texas to go through an orientation process, they felt the values at work in the people that work here and represent our our brands. Um, Then with employees, we are able to attract just about anybody who wanted to come work for the Dwyer Group. We can get them here because they know who we are and what we stand for. We've worked hard for so many years to create this reputation. But most of those people that we're trying to recruit out in the franchising world, they already know who we are because they already know about our core values. Mm. And, and they do know we're not perfect either. You know, we, we really want to be very upfront about that. I don't want anybody to believe that they're going to walk in here and every day is going to be just beautiful and everything's going to go smooth because it doesn't. We're growing. There's a lot of change. There's a lot of integration with all these acquisitions. And some of that's painful. But at the end of the day, if we're treating each other with respect and dignity with the values as our guide, it's, it's
0: a much nicer
1: place to be. Yeah. Well, and Tom, you talked about this. You've been really on the platform of habits. Uh, the fastest way to success is replace a bad habit with a good habit. That's, that's Tom Ziegler and in his prime right there. And I, I'm perpetually amazed at my ability, my own, this is just a personal admission to, uh, the ability to hear life changing wisdom and knowledge and, and truly endeavor to take action and implement new practices in my life. And yet the next day goes by and I've just, I've forgotten. And, and again, going back to, I have to write it on my, my forehead. I keep thinking about the tattoos that I need to get. And it's just my, <laughs> my self-help needs, uh, and you know, the need to have to create tangible step-by-step actions. And, uh, it got me thinking in, in regards to your book, the daily habits of living out your values. And now you've talked about some of that with your reciting of this from a company standpoint but even even you personally and those that you're leading what are some of the as, as folks are listening well a lot of of course there's so many people with uh, the ziggler audience that have gotten zig self-talk cards which folks i always say this whenever i mention that you can always get them at ziggler.com forward slash self-talk but that's a daily habit to speak some values into us but in this regard uh give us some Give us some help on the daily habits of living out our personal values and putting them
2: forward. Right. I go back to that step through where we talked about internalization. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of values and they're kind of long, uh, but they are very clear. So when you internalize those by memorization, it's amazing how they stick because you have to really think about them. So what happens is it becomes a habit, getting back to habits again, it becomes a habit when something's not working in our business in our relationships, that the mind automatically goes to a value or a couple of values. For example, if something's not working um, between my, my fantastic assistant, Carol, and I, we always look to the system for correction first, because one of our values is look to the system for correction and propose all possible solutions if something is not working. We're well, not blaming her. She's not blaming me. We talk about where's there a systems issue? How do we make the system better so we're not frustrating each other? because we haven't been clear about what the system is here. Mm-hmm. So I think the internalization process and then reminding each other when we're faced with challenges in business to pull up the, pull up the code of values card, you know, until we get in the habit of thinking about problems and how we can fix those problems by applying the values that we care so much about. So it's, it's, it's the habit. We have to practice, 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 practice. Today I am thrilled when a franchisee calls me or an employee emails me and says, I need to talk to you about something that's challenging and it has to do with X value. They actually cite Mm. a value that it has to do with. And you know what? It's so much easier to accept that feedback, which is constructive feedback. When somebody says, look, you know, this is something it's it's about the values and we can fix it with the values. Let's talk about it versus somebody bawling you out and, and, you know, pointing their finger in your face. It's respectful. And yet we've got to address tough issues. And there's always going to be tough issues in business.
0: Tom? Yeah, I want to just jump in on this. One of the things that we do is we work with small business owners who don't have the benefit of a franchise. They don't have a system in place necessarily. They haven't been formally taught on how to do it and they're struggling. And so we help small businesses systemize their business. And this is what we say, because you said exactly the same thing. When you systemize a business, we say, process takes pressure off the person and so what happens then is you can talk about values and it's not personal it's not well i want to do it my way we've been doing it your way which is what happens when you work in an environment where it's not systemized people take offense almost immediately and so i'm i'm getting all jazzed about the (laughs) and so am i The emphasis of systems and values going hand in hand because the system itself allows the values to flourish in a way where it's not my opinion and it's not your opinion. It's just the system. And when somebody brings an idea, in, and we work with a lot of companies that are father, son, like the next generation has taken over. And, oh, my gosh, it's so hard because you you know it because you took over for the founder, right? I mean, you cannot be the founder. It's impossible. Yes, it Never will be, right? Right. But if there's a system in place, and we have an idea that says let's change something in the system, now you can change a little bit and test it to see if it's better or worse. And it's not pressure anymore. So I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just loving the context of this because value seems so intangible, and yet the product is, you know, unmistakable. Yeah. When you do it right. Hey, and talking
1: about the Code of Values, folks, And again, I'm I'm shameless in promoting Dina's book. Go get the book. Uh, The Code of Values are in there. But uh, And I did not write this down, Dina. I know I saw it online. Is it on your website, uh, dinadwireowens.com, where I saw there was a link and I saw that your Code of Values just written there for somebody who wants to just go take a snapshot at it?
2: Oh, sure. They could go to uh, dwyergroup.com or dinadwireowens.com. Okay. And the values are there, and we'd love for them to take a snapshot, and if they want to use that as a template to create their own. People need to create their own, though, because that is unique to us and who we are and what's important to us. So people really need to sit down and have that um, very serious conversation about who are we and how do we want to be seen, you know, from our, our customers and the people we do business with, and then go from there. But, yes, they, they should uh, take a look at those. Okay. Okay. You,
1: and I don't know if it was in the book or on your website, and you cited, just caught my attention that the Institute for Global Ethics, there were four values that were deemed most important uh, fairness, responsibility, respect, and truth. And, and assuming most everyone listening would agree and say they embody to a good degree, you know, all of these values. I. I wanted to ask you to uh, kind of uh, come at it a different direction, to ask you to shine a light on where, even though so many of us would say, yeah, we, we embody that, where are you in your experience in teaching and leading in this, where we often miss it. To a degree, even us that, that we would say we're high value people, where do we miss it? And in a sense, ask you to show us, where do you often see blind spots that we all might need to pay attention to? And, and I'll use myself, you know, f- so the number one fairness, I'd say, oh my gosh, I'm immensely fair. But I, as I read for like, gosh, am I really, uh, where to many well-meaning people, where, where, do you see people often? Okay. You think you're fair, but this is where I see a blind spot where people miss fairness.
2: Yeah, I think one of the challenges, again, is if we're just talking about words like fairness, responsibility, respect and truth, your definition of fairness could be very different from Tom's, could be very different from mine. Mm. So what I encourage people to do is when you are setting your values up again, have those accountability statements. I call them values, but to make it clear to the audience, um, have those accountability statements and define what fairness is to you so in your organization you want it to be crystal clear what we mean by fairness so fairness is blah 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 so it's as clear as you can get it now you can't get it perfect because you can't cover every scenario but get it as clear as you can and and the other thing is leaders i think we have to be willing to do uh, because i'm like you i think i'm being fair i think i'm being respectful Um, i've got clear clearer standards that i can go back to but i will ask Um, We do something at the Dwyer Group that's kind of fun. We do something called a walkie-talkie. We happen to be on the Brazos River, which is beautiful, just down from McLean Stadium, the new Baylor Stadium. And this time of the year when it's beautiful out, we'll go for walks instead of meeting in an office. And I went on a walkie-talkie with our new CFO just uh, a month or two ago. And I said, I want feedback. You're, You're new with the organization, so you're seeing things that maybe we're not seeing and for me personally, I'd like feedback. And I asked them some of the things, you know, what do you think I should stop doing? What do you think I should start doing? What do you think I should keep doing? And that could be related to the values. That could be related to anything that you're observing as somebody new coming to the organization. How do I get better? So I think as leaders, we might think we're fair, but why don't we ask the people around us? What do you think? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I, I love that question. And the reason why is I'm going to throw a statement out. I'd love your comment on it. Uh, fairness is never equal and equal is never fair. (laughs) Right. And so you said, you've got to define the words that mean what they should mean in your organization. That's why, because as kids, it's not fair that somebody gets something bigger than somebody else. But in the business world, it would be unfair if everybody got the same portion, (laughs) right? Because not everybody works the same way. Not everybody has the same gifts. So (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, I, I love that statement. Well, in your first answer that uh, to some degree, because I was going to ask some somewhat on our blind spots and, and I'd love you to comment if you have some specific things on those four areas, fairness, responsibility, respect and truth. But your first statement there in asking your personal definition, it's like, goodness, yeah. And again, it's, it's always an easy fallback to think of my my big family. But uh, if I asked them to, you know, what is fairness? Yeah, they would absolutely have different personalities, different perspectives. They would have different uh, viewpoints on what is fair to one or the other. And I assume that's going to cover uh, fairness, responsibility, respect, and truth is how do you define it? So, so in, in this context, you're saying you got to come together and get on the same page, lay it out, put it on the table and understand where the common fairness, uh,
2: responsibility, respect, and truth lies. Right. Exactly. What does that mean to you? And agree that that is what it means to all of you in the organization. And that's the, the rules that we're going to go by. So when we talk about fairness, let's check the boxes and see if we're really living up to that as we've laid it out.
1: Yeah. Well, so, you know, with, with these, these four fairness, responsibility, respect, and truth, um, a, a book I read, it's been a years now, trust agents, uh, Chris Brogan and another guy, uh, wrote that. And I thought, I mean, I know I'm a sales guy and what are we ultimately selling trust? No matter how we, how we want to want to dissect it. We are selling trust. If we don't have that, we're not going to sell anything uh, no matter what. So we're selling trust. And in that, and gosh, I I talked about this enough that I even remember it was like page 72 or something like that. (laughs) They had done a study on the four aspects of uh, trust or the four, you know, uh, four areas that build trust. And I saw that in three of them, I did really well. And then I found one that was just glaring that I hurt myself in, and it said, "If you're doing this, you are eroding trust." And and I was, and when they, they wrote it out there, uh, and it, it was being consistent, it was being consistent, and and following through, and coming through. And that is not me. I like to be spontaneous. I jump from one thing to the other. I'm a guy who likes to build, and I just assume somebody else finish it. And there's not consistency. It was chaos. And man, I took that to heart. Asked some people about that, and that's what I wanted to. And you talked about accountability. And, and you've, you've talked about trust, having a community of trust. And this is a, that's a high calling for a lot of people, even to have somebody that they can take an issue like, like values and really get, uh, what f- Frank feedback on where they're missing it. That takes a lot. And again, you've created a culture that does that, but coming back to all of those listening right now, uh, some of them are going to have a hard time finding somewhere where they can really get some honest feedback on where their own level of fairness, responsibility, respect, truth, where that comes in. That's got to be difficult for a lot of people.
2: Well, it starts with them being uh, humble. And as leaders, (laughs) I'm sure you two face this every day. There are times we have to just say, take a deep breath and try to look honestly at yourselves. And uh, as we've been growing the last two years, I've had to do that more often um, than I can remember in the past doing that. And we've got an amazing team again, led by Mike Biddle, our CEO, I'm in a different role today than I was in in the past. And there are many times it's easy to look for uh, the beam in somebody else's eye. Uh, I'm sorry, the speck in somebody else's eye. But the beam is really, you know, protruding into our eye. And, And I think part of this is facing the truth of where we have weaknesses. And then and then, like we said earlier, Tom, admitting them. You know what? People respect people who will admit their weaknesses. Just just what you said, Kevin. You know what? You're a guy who's just not consistent because you rely on somebody else to follow through for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're great at creating; somebody else has got to follow through. So why not create a team where you're the creator and somebody else is assigned to be follow through? Yeah. Carol and I, my assistant and I, believe it or not, we did the Colby when I hired her because I'm much like you. I'm a quick start. I'm creative. I like to create and I like to create fast. And then I need somebody else who's going to help me follow through. Yeah. I also need somebody who's going to do a lot of fact finding. I don't mind doing the fact finding. But it's not the best use of my time. Right. So Carol's a great fact finder. So it's teaming up with people saying, look, as a leader, this is where I'm weak. I need somebody to fill the gap for me because I'm going to continue to frustrate you. And you might say that I'm not fair because <laughs> I'm not consistent. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you now, I'm not consistent. And, and I'm going to work on it. But in the meantime, I need somebody to help help me in that area where I'm not so strong.
1: Okay. Well, so as people are listening right here, they've got a good flavor and feel of you. So this is not going to be a surprise to them. But when I initially read, the, uh, read through your book and one of your primary values or uh, uh, roots of, of your message is fun. And I, at first I thought, I thought, huh, where did, where did that fit in? Now, again, I hear that in, and see that in your spirit here, but as a, and I don't, again, I don't, I don't know how you list this Do you list this as one of the core values or just one of the main ingredients in this message. Cause it seems like I mean, this is a serious message. This is a deep message. And then you put fun on the end of it. Tell me where that came from.
2: That actually surprises a lot of people. Um, Tom, I know you and your father knew Don Dwyer. Your father knew him better than you did because you were a very young man. Uh, but when 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 Don Dwyer, our founder, passed away in 1994 of a sudden heart attack at the age of 60, mm. our company went into a bit of a shock. He had just taken the company public in 1993. We were trading on NASDAQ. No longer. We're, we're privately held now by a, a private equity group called the Riverside Company. But I went around because I was in a leadership position when my father passed away. I wasn't running the company. But I went around to talk to some of the other leaders that he had recently hired on because he saw something special in them. And I'll never forget one of those leaders, David Bethay. when I said, David, what what would you say are some of the keys to success? And he gave me a few ideas. And then he said, Dina, the biggest thing is when I'm not having fun anymore, I don't belong here because I, if I don't love what I'm doing, I don't enjoy what I'm doing. I'm not good for the company. I'm not good for the team. And it's time for me to go do something else. I couldn't believe my ears. My dad never really talked about it that way, but my dad had fun working. That was his fun. Um, And fun can be defined, again, in many ways. We didn't even try to attempt to to define fun because it's fun for me to get up in in front of a group of new franchisees, as I did yesterday, and teach a class called Design Your Life. Many of the things that I teach in Design Your Life is all about Zig Ziglar and what Zig taught me as a child growing up. Mm. But I have fun getting in front of a group of people and helping them understand they can fulfill their dreams. And here's the path to do that. That's fun for me. So fun is talked about at the Dwyer group a lot.
1: Well, and and that what you said right there, if I'm not having fun, I, I don't belong here anymore. It's interesting now as this show when it is posted, this will already have happened, but we started a new show a uh, Q and A show that Tom are, and I are going to be doing, uh, and folks go to askzigshowcom They can ask a question. So the very first one, they can they can record it via audio or they can write it. The very first one that came in, the show's posted at 3 a.m. Uh, Central Time, I think. And and real quick, we got a an audio message, and it was from a guy saying, "I have done really well in my work. It's very comfortable. It's very rewarding. I'm miserable." I am not having, I don't know if he used the word fun, but in essence, he's, that's what he's saying. I don't belong here anymore. And yet Tom and you and I all have to answer the question. He's saying, what, what do I do? I mean, he's really open and honest. I really appreciate that. But to that, I'm not having fun anymore. I don't belong. Here. That is a significantly countercultural. We're, we're in the, you know, we like to laugh at the Dilbert cartoons, which are tragic, the funny, but they're, they're horrific. You know, that's the reality. And we watch people watch uh, the, the, the office show and that. Uh, having fun is not an expectation and uh and yet here again, you know, you're saying, well, if you want to have success, the success that you've had, your your company, the franchisees, you have got to be enjoying in essence what you're doing, a foundational platform of success. That's maybe that's your next book. Have fun? That's right. Yeah? Okay.
2: That's right. A good one.
1: (laughs) Okay. I like it. Well, and that's what I appreciate about working with with Tom and Ziegler, uh, Dina, thank you. Thank you for bringing this message out, uh, for leading people in that folks. Again, I just really encourage you. Go get the book. It's a very, uh, entertaining read. It'll draw you in with the stories, the real life stories, but to take this again, this is this ideal. Well, no, it, it's where we often place it as an ideal. And you're saying, well, yeah, it is a good ideal. It's also the best way to live. And it's also
2: 288%
1: more successful.
2: <laughs> yeah what, what are you waiting for is what i would say what, what, are you,
1: what are you waiting for and that's what i would say thank you uh thanks for taking the time with this and um this is one that we need to keep revisiting but uh just grateful for your offering to us in the ziggler show today dina
2: thanks for everything you all are doing you're making a real difference in the world and we appreciate it thank you so much we sure appreciated
0: your time here your wisdom and boy you got me fired up so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go add some stuff to my stuff
1: absolutely well folks that's what we're here for inspiring true performance and i know mine has just been inspired thanks for tuning in we'll talk with you in the next ziggler
0: show